Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Crossroads Church of Ministries, and especially to our friends who are online with us this morning. Uh, we greet you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and how grateful we are that you're spending part of your Sunday or maybe Monday or Thursday with us. Because whether you're on with us live right now on Facebook or at ccmonline.org, on YouTube, or joining us to listen to the podcast later on this week, uh, we're grateful that you have taken some time out of your week to celebrate this service with us. So we say good morning to you. And uh, we will be receiving communion together later on. So if you're at home and you haven't taken a chance to get some bread and some juice and some crackers, whatever it is that you need, uh, we just invite you to do it now. So again, we'd say thank you for being with us on this Sunday or Tuesday or Wednesday or whatever day it is for you. today to introduce you um, to our friends Dick and Sybil. Would you come, Dick and Sybil? And we want to tell you that these uh, folks are, uh, they are parents and grandma and grandpa and pastors to thousands upon thousands all over the world. And um, the grace of God that's been on the two of them to still act like kids and run. I mean, Sybil still does 10,000 steps every day. Dick, you find him in the barn shoveling manure. Don't you guys love that? Look at our farmers. They're like, yeah, that's it. And, um, and the beautiful part of it is we're talking about people who've served in university uh, levels as dean. They've been teachers to the brightest in our nation. 
They have also served on pastoral staffs over 50 years. They've worked with kids, and they still really like the kids. Sybil's about yes. to go teach uh, high schoolers some <laughs> yeah. things coming up. And I love that they've never graduated from saying that every age and stage needs uh, people who love God and are going to open up space for them. So I pray you get convicted real good around uh, the beauty of life that can, from the cradle to, you know, from a World War II orphanage, yeah. right, into your 80s. They're both octogenarians. Isn't that a great word? Octogenarian. May we all be strong like Dick and Sybil as octogenarians. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And, uh, and, and hear the wisdom that comes both from their vigor and their energy and also the years of wisdom. So we, anything else I should well, I should said? Yeah. <laughs> Claire's so excited. We told Dick and Sybil we were going to introduce them in 30 seconds, and of course, we failed. Anyway, <laughs> um, I just I want to say this because I think this is so important, and um, I think this really captures the heart of uh, uh, what I I would like to say about Dick and Sybil, and just about our all of our reality. Uh, we all have heard the term, you know, you would rather see a sermon than hear one. Um, to the dismay of every communicator that's ever lived. <laughs> but it's the truth. Even the communicators uh, that have a heart for God feel that way. And I love where the scripture says that we carry about within us these, this treasure within earthen vessels, right? And that is the presence of God. We carry about the holy. And... More than anything, we could talk for a really long time about Dick and Sybil and the, the beautiful lives, but I just want you to know this. I think more important, have you ever been with someone and there was an impartation from God just being with them? That really, to me, defines Dick and Sybil and their lives most clearly. So I just pray, even now, we pray, God, that we would open our hearts for an impartation from you. Thank you, God, for the grace and the anointing on Dick and Sybil's lives. Thank you for how they continue to serve you with their whole heart. And we open ourselves, God, to the unique gifting in their lives. We open ourselves up to receive that. And we open our uh, hearts up to also let that not only be received by us, but flow through us. Let graciousness goodness, resilience, and longevity hmm. abide in all of us, and may it grow on this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So can we welcome Dick and Sybil Towner? Well, one of the nicest things in life is to be introduced by those two. I mean, golly. Uh, and it is a privilege uh, to be with you today and to be with you again. We have had that privilege of being here in the past and, and to just affirm once again the way in which uh, God's Spirit works through Crossroads Church here and, and the, the carrying out of Christ's love through the various ways in which you do it. So uh, it's, it's our privilege to be here. Uh, some years ago, when I crossed that line into the 80s, uh, I, I felt like there were some things I wanted to share with our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren. And, and so I wrote out a series uh, that I entitled uh, Truths and, prior, and uh, Practices That Have Been Important to Me. And I wanted to share that with them. And uh, Claire and Scott felt like uh, that would be an appropriate thing to share with you today, too. So I, I do that in the hopes that it might uh, just trigger some things in you, perhaps. And maybe even because it was such a good experience for me to do it that I thought, well, maybe it would be an encouragement to you to sit down and, and just write out what are some of the, the practices and the truths that uh, have guided your life uh, up to the point that you are now. 
So I will just begin to go down through that list. And the first of them is that a huge part of success, quote, unquote, is just doing what you say you will do. Uh, you know, it, it, it seems like, gosh, if all I do is just do whatever I say I'll do, I, I ought to get a C or maybe a C plus, you know, <laughs> a, met expectations. But the reality is that there are so many folks that don't do what they say they'll do that those who do look really good and get an A plus on, on their ratings. And, uh, and it opens all kinds of, of doors for you. The second thing is, is that um, the best question is, is it wise? Not, is it okay? Is it moral? Does it not cross the line? Is everyone else doing it? Does it make any, does it make any difference? That, those aren't the questions. The question is, is this thing, this behavior, whatever it is that I'm facing, is it wise? And wisdom based upon what are the ramifications, what are the implications of this for the future? Because all decisions have consequences. The next thing is just the words, be intentional. I'm very indebted to Sybil for, for driving that point home to me in my life. Uh, to, to really uh, think ahead, have, have plans. Uh, people are coming for dinner tonight. What, what would we want to be sure and, and talk about? What, are there some questions we, we might have for them so that the night doesn't end and they say, oh, you know what we should have done was be intentional. Be intentional. Think ahead. Have times that remind you of who you are and to whom you belong. Next thing was plans of the mind or of man, but God directs our feet. Proverbs 19.21. Uh, I just said be intentional and having plans is, is part of that. I'm not an anti-planner, but what I want to say is hold those plans loosely. There have been three major occasions in our lives when Sybil and I thought, oh, we know what's going to happen next. I mean, we have plans. Uh, we're going to go in this direction. And by listening to God, he took us in a totally different direction. And they've been wonderful directions. So hold plans, have plans, but hold them loosely. Next, we, we grow and we learn most from the hard times. Oh, what a truth that is. And conversely, when things are really going well, we tend to, to sort of feel we don't need God and, and we lose touch with the fact that from whom all good things come. Next is fear not. The birth of Christ was accepted by a whole series of fear nots. Fear not, Joseph. Fear not, Mary. Fear not to the shepherds. And, and throughout Christ's teachings, he kept coming back to that, that mantra, fear not. Here's, the, uh, here's where I've come out uh, in that uh, Death has lost its sting. God promises to provide for our needs. And we grow and we learn, as I've just said, from the really hard things. So if those three things are true, what's to fear? <laughs> our world, incidentally, has many ways in which it it attempts to make us fearful, and some folks benefit from our fear, but fear not. Take time to reflect, to be still, and to hear God's still, small voice, and to, to simply 
allow our lives and our behaviors to flow out of that. Take time to look back upon the day just ending, to evaluate things done, to evaluate things undone. Our interaction with others highlights lowlights. In that process, we gain much perspective. Next, being is more important than doing. That's not a message of our culture, our multitasking, uh, super busy workaholic culture. But in fact, we are human beings, not human doers. What you do flows out of who you are. So be first and do after that, secondly. Next is people matter more than things. I'd like to believe that those words were self-evident and speak for themselves, but in our very consumeristic, materialistic culture, it's very easy for the truth that we hear and know as, as Christ followers to love people and use things to have that transition into loving things and using people. Next, the table and the bed are key places in the home. Oh, my. They're the bedrock of communications and faithfulness. And uh, it's, it's a bit concerning to me how particularly the table has the table as a place of, of gathering, of, of coming together. Uh, historically, the place where humans sat down and laid their weapons aside and, and communicated. Uh, that that has lost, uh, been lost in our fast-paced world so often. We, we don't come around the table as much as we should. It's the uh, bedrock of communications and faithfulness for both children and adults. Leave a place better than you found it. Whether it's a public restroom or you pick the towels up off the floor that have been overflowing the basket or whether it's a city park or your workplace or the world, you'll be better for having made the place better. Be generous. Oh, my. It's freedom-producing. It creates, it gives to us a, a unique and, and great joy. And it's, it's God's intention for us. To, to be generous. He is a generous God. Keep in mind that the only true answer to the question, how'd you get what you got, is it was a gift. And if there's any question in your mind about the truth of that, look at Deuteronomy 8, uh, 17 and 18. Next, consider... Selection of a life verse. It can be a bedrock in the midst of, of change and, and upheaval. Uh, look at God's word. Where, where, does a, where is there a verse that really stands out that might just, might just serve as a life verse for you at this point in time? Maybe it'll change later on for Sibyl and I. Uh, Way back when, we, we came across 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 and 18. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of Christ Jesus in you. And, and we've just hung on to that, and it's been a wonderful bedrock. Next, trust in the Lord and do good. You know, if I only had a minute to share with you, I'd have thrown out all those other things and I'd have just said that. Trust in the Lord and do good. It all boils down to that. And doing good is, is easy to define. If we look at Christ's teachings, it's, it's to love. 
love God, love others, love ourselves. So trust in the Lord and do good. And uh, doing good is also captured in a Tennyson poem that uh, is above the mantelpiece in our son's home, uh, one of our son's homes, and, and really pleased to see it there. It says, live pure, speak true, right wrong, follow the king, else wherefore born. <laughs> I like that. I have a desire that flows out of, of these things and at this stage of my life, uh, so I kind of lumped it into this too, and, and the desire is to see others as Christ sees them and to truly believe that the other person is doing their very best given the circumstances. I share with you that that's been a difficult one for me as a one on the Enneagram, if you're familiar with that. We're, we're always judging things and saying what's wrong, but I think if, if we can see the other person as Christ sees them and believe that they're probably doing their best under the circumstances, if we just knew the circumstances. Now, having shared all that with you, you're probably saying or thinking, well, I wonder if Towner really follows all that stuff. You know? And uh, so I will read to you in response to that potential question in your mind a poem from my hero, Wendell Berry, who is an author and poet, and perhaps I see some nodding heads yes. that know who he is. He says this, Do not think me gentle because I speak in praise of gentleness, or elegant because I honor the grace that keeps the world. I am a man, crude as any, gross of speech, intolerant, stubborn, angry, full of fits and furies, that I may have spoken well at times, like the past few minutes, is not natural. A wonder is what it is. Thank you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was beautiful. Well, thank you. <laughs> I, I'm delighted. I can't think of a person that I'd rather have that come from. Yes. Well, let me um, be a little different in that Dick and I are very different. <laughs> and just, um, I think, just share something personally that's personal to me, but it actually is a part of both of our stories. And, um, and so if I had to come to you and say, what would really be important to share about my life, it's actually exploring and understanding my story. Because if God doesn't show up in your story, where does he show up? And so one of the, for today, I'd like to begin that the first five years, and it was actually true for Dick as well, but in a different way, but I experienced a number of losses. And I'm just going to name a few of them because I think it will touch in to some of your own losses in your own life. Because in this very room, there is sitting next to any of us, someone who needs to weep. And so I lost my father at the age of one, a German killed in Russia. I lost a home, it was bombed and moved uh, really away from safety. A loss of adequate food, deprivation, the loss of privacy, a bathroom and a place to really be able to to use that facility, a loss of boundaries, a loss of a joyful mother, um, filled to great sadness all her life, and the loss of a secure early childhood, the loss of beauty, the near loss of life, the loss of a disciplined life, ordinary routines, the loss of health care, 
the loss of a language. And after five or after six or seven months in a refugee camp in Paris, France, in 1946, came to this country, welcomed by my grandmother, my mother's mother, and went to live in her home. And my mother left because she was so deeply rejected, she couldn't stay there. But the three of us who went to live with my grandmother were also rejected by my uncle who lived in that house with three other children and that and said my grandmother was wasting her money to waste on us. But what my grandmother did is she took us to the church. Look around. Someone is here who needs to know they're loved. And that's what the people in the church did. And I don't care how crazy the church gets. I st- <laughs> the church here, the church worldwide, I still love the church. The church is the body of Christ. And so that's how we stay connected. And there is this, the corporate church. There is the domestic church. And so I never got over it. And so when I went to live with my mother at age 10, she remarried, remarried poorly. But the first thing I did with my siblings one of the first things, I found out where the church was of the denomination we were a part of and took my brothers and sisters to the church. And of course, the people noticed that I didn't come with parents. And you can imagine what any of you would have done, welcomed and made sure we got where we needed to get. So that was the beginning of my life. And what I learned to do was I learned to cope, and I really learned. I I was a woman with a young child with a half glass full of water. I looked for things on the bright side, and I was someone who came became responsible, responsible for my siblings. I really was someone who was uh, in a place of discovery of who I was and what I did. Well, and I was in a place of yearning as I grew. I wanted to be who God wanted me to be. And I remember at age 16 that the song, Be Thou My Vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art. Thou my blessed thought, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, your presence my sight. And that song still informs my life and uh, put, uh, put me there. Then I'm just going to go briefly and share one uh, or a full story. But I left home when I was 17 because I said I have to discover who I am. And so I went off to college and I had to figure out how to have a bed not only during the school year, but in the summer. So I worked in camps. And that opened up a beautiful story for me to work at a Jewish camp, a German girl at a Jewish camp, a Christian at that, and a camp director who saw my gifts and said, let's fan them into flame. And so spent 16 years there as a married woman taking our children and really develop the gifts of leadership. And leaving that place, then was invited into the church to begin a camping program. How could I have known that? There is a God who is following us. Surely, mercy and goodness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so throughout those years, there's a poem that really ordered my life. I taught it, I practiced it, I want to live it. And it was, it's by Edwin Markham. He or she drew a circle that shut me out. 
heretic rebel, a thing to flout. But Love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him or her in. One of those little experiences was Dick didn't, neither Dick nor I were, were raised by our parents. We were raised by grandparents. It took me 12 years to get a picture of his father into our house. I said, we will always bless your father. He did not know how to take care of you. He was out of your life. He was never permitted back in, but he, you are his son and we are going to bless him. That's a part of the way love works itself out. Well, Dick and I had two children and then they were three and eight months. He was 25, I was 25, he was 28. My parents, mother and stepfather, died within three months and we became the guardian for my four younger brothers and sisters. So now 13, 15, 16, and 18, each with real difficulties, now we were a family of eight. How would we have known it, that it would take us into a home which Dick would never have bought, never, under any circumstances? And he felt a bit guilty about it, but it opened up what he did not know was in me was the gift of hospitality. And the table became the centerpiece. And we lived in that home for 27 years, and 68 people lived in that home with us over those 27 years. And what we did was... <laughs> we listened to stories. And we listened to stories in the kitchen, chopping vegetables, lots of onions, so you could cry. <laughs> But really, we invited people to come home to themselves. And then we moved to Chicago and we said, I guess this is done. And a girl, as we were moving to Chicago to serve uh, Willow Creek, she said, are you moving to Chicago? And we said, yes. And she said, could I come live with you? And we said, oh, I guess we better find a house where, where, that we can have at least one other person living with us. And so we had 20 people live with us in Chicago. So it didn't end there. But the, la the last thing, there are many more that I want to share, share with you because you all have had some training and growth in the Enneagram. You know, we are who we are. God gifts us. And he gives us coping strategies in our life. Those are God-given. But there's a time that those coping strategies don't work anymore. And we need to bring them under the redemptive work of Christ. And that's one of the beautiful aspects of the way in which the Enneagram used rightly can really open up for spiritual formation. And for me, I had wanted something in the church we had been a part of and I was on the staff of that I didn't actually even fully know that I wanted it. And when the time came uh, that the position opened up, I did not receive it because I was a woman. And it broke me. And I went off for a week of silence to Gethsemane and I became very quiet, and I rewalked the Stations of the Cross to remember how God loved me and wept. And then he took me out on a hill and said, Sybil, do you love me? I said, yes, I love you. You know that. And he asked me again, as he did Peter, and he asked me again. And he said, when you were younger, you did what you wanted, and now that you are older, I will take you where you do not want to go, and I will dress you. That is a part of growing up. And in this room, there are probably many of you who maybe have the edges of that kind of experience, but you need permission to do the work of really growing up.
And so I left that place and the, the inner work was being done and that's what I lived out at Willow Creek for the next 20 years, was living out of more of the essence of who I really am. I'm not finished and I've got a thing, I'm going to 100, I could die tomorrow, but I'm going to 100 because it keeps me in the intensity of living. So I want to close with this, not because this is the end of the message, but it's just the end of the time here. You have, <laughs> you have places to be, lunches to prepare, and people to be with. There's a poem by Macrina Weidecker, and when I left Cincinnati, I shared it with our friends, and it's this. Our wings say, continue the journey. Don't get root-bound. Keep dreaming of something beyond. When you love someone, you have to let them go. It's the only way to keep them. Weaving in and out of our lives, I've come to know the letting go as the surrender in that war between my roots and my wings. It is blessing. It is grace, it is victory, it is pain. And that's the work of growing up. We keep have to releasing old resentments, attachments that no longer serve us, till at the end, when we get put in a grave, there's nothing but us. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. Be faithful to you. You people are the real deal. You're on the road. Keep coming. This is a beautiful place. This church is a portion of the body of Christ around the world. Thank you for just allowing us to be here. So, dear friends, um, we've been in the presence of love. And did you feel it? So you might want to get up close to him and get a hug, too. That's, a, that's an experience. And, um, Kelly, will you join me? We're going to lead you in these prayers as, as we take in uh, to our hearts all that we've heard, and then we offer up our lives to say we want to be the message we've just heard. Faithful God, empower us to bring Christ to the world. We pray for all who are coming to faith, all who wonder about faith, and all who are struggling with faith. Especially, and will you say their names? People you know who are struggling with faith right now, maybe even your own name. And together, let us, your church, be an unstoppable force of faith. Light of all creation, guide us to lead, teach, and reveal to us what is needed in our world. We pray for those in need of food, shelter, clothing, and of God's healing touch, especially. Well, we're going to have to really flow with the Holy Spirit here because we're missing our alls. So um, how about, yeah, let's hold all those who we know are suffering in the world. Okay, we'll go here. Can you read that one more time, Kelly? And we'll tell you when to switch slides um, in the back because somehow the words disappeared. It must be the Holy Spirit saying, we want you to use some different words today. So we're going to accept that, all right, as a gift from God. But Kelly, every time it says lead, you go ahead and I'll be your all and I'll do some coaching here. Comforter of the suffering, warm our hands to loving service. 
So friends, can, can we just say, here are my hands. Can you say that? Here are my hands. And can you say, bring my hands to all who are suffering. God of justice, fuel our passion to challenge injustice and violence and to pursue peace and reconciliation. Let us, your church, be an unstoppable force for justice and peace. Loving God, your love illumines our hopes before we know them and our needs before we ask. And whatever your needs are right now, just see that need that God knows it before it's even on your lips to ask. And together, let us, your children, be an unstoppable force of love. Fill us afresh with the awareness of you, Holy Spirit. Kindle your flame within us that in our prayers and service, we may know your transforming presence at work in the world around us. All this we ask through Jesus Christ, the unstoppable one. Amen. Amen. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to Save that thou art Thou my best Lord By day or by night Waking or sleeping Thy presence my light So what you may know Is that Don is amazing And, uh, and that when Sybil said this was her hymn He went and got it So there's no words up yet But give it a minute I bet we'll find them. And we want to hold this reality of God being our vision for this world. And may we pray that, that we would have the kind of faith, hope, and love with longevity. That we would not outlive our faith, we would not outlive our hope or out live our love. Give us that vision. Be thou my wisdom, be thou my true word. Be all else to be saved that thou Let's start all over again. Be thou my vision. Everybody. It was going to be so pretty. Thou my mission, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to thee, save that thou art. Thou my best Lord, by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence.
this thing. And uh, I'm going to ask our pastors and, and intercessors and friends to gather around Dick and Sybil. And we're going to pray over them and bless them. Would you do that? People who have served the body of Christ for 50 years. And, um, yeah, come on, get close. Anybody who wants to get on close, come on. surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, Lord. We thank you that we've been invited into the body of Christ. We thank you for Dick and Sybil, and we thank you for their voice that you've given them. Thank you for their unique and powerful journey that they continue to live. And we as a church, a local church, we surround them with your love, with our love, and we speak blessing over them. We bless their coming in, we bless their going out, we pray that your hand would be upon them, and that they would continue to experience your bountiful presence in their lives. We pray, God, that all that pertains to the things you've invited them to, that they would live into fully. We bless their health, bless their minds, their memories, bless their emotions. We bless their spiritual journey with you, God. And we send them from this place to where they go next and the places you've invited to them for them to go next. We just pray that your presence would continue to be with them. We have received, God, from you on this day. And we're so grateful. And we pray out of that strength, that energy, and that presence that they would be refreshed. And we ask these things in the wonderful and glorious name of Jesus. It's all because of you.
someone. You do the benediction at your table. Tell somebody God is for you. God loves you. Have a beautiful week, everybody. We'll see you next week.